Hello, hello, hello. This is Nick Zituni, Head of Operations from Coded Minds Team Canada. And I'm uh, Andres Boris. I am the Tech Integration Specialist here at Coded Minds. And this is episode two of Coded Talk. That's right, Andres. We had a great conversation on the previous episode about online learning in general terms. And we enjoy talking about it so much that we decided to go a little bit in depth in two teams that we mentioned before. Those two things that we had mentioned before, that was uh, synchronous learning and asynchronous learning. And we, we kind of touched a little bit on it last episode. Uh, this time we're going to go really in depth and get into the nitty gritty of what each of those concepts mean. That's right. So to start with the talk, I would love to bring the asynchronous method first, just because it's one of the most used methods, especially when we start talking about big learning management systems that are out there. And in case you are not familiar with learning management systems, for short, LMS, it's a platform. It's an online environment that can be used both ways, synchronous and asynchronous. But a lot of the very famous websites like Coursera, like Lecturio and others, they prefer the asynchronous for one main reason. And we talked about it last time, right, Anders? That's right. A yeah. Asynchronous method is convenient. So let's just give a quick definition first, and then we start talking a little bit about the benefits of it. That's right. So when we're talking about asynchronous learning, we're talking about learning that doesn't have to happen all at the same time. So uh, if you think about the metaphor of being uh, in a classroom, if you're in a classroom, you have to be right there when the teacher is teaching. And if you're not there, you miss out on it. With asynchronous learning, your instructor might uh, post lectures. There might be readings that you have to do. There might be even be some interactions that you do, like posting to a blog or um, stuff like that. Uh, but in general, you work at your own pace and uh, you work when it's convenient for you. You work around your own work schedules, your own uh, obligations, and uh, it gives you that flexibility that you were talking about. Exactly. Uh, and a few people know, Andres, but uh, you might have had similar experiences, but creating a, a synchronous lecture, it's actually a lot of work. I actually had a, I, I have read an article, uh, I would say about two months ago. They, the article basically talks about all the, the good stuff, the, the things that really work in asynchronous lectures and the amount of work that teachers need to put in to make sure that the lecture is good and working, it's huge. We're not talking about the regular teacher preparation time, which is also fairly <laughs> significant, right? But you prepare yourself as you're a teacher doing your own homework, you prepare a lecture, you read your books, you make sure that you have all the tools. That takes time, of course. Now, imagine doing that and then uploading and organizing everything that you had into a learning platform. It triples the preparation time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right there, Nick. The other thing, too, is um, when you're preparing for asynchronous, Oftentimes, there's actually more work that you might have to do because of the fact that you want to create something that's appealing to a wide range of students. I was uh, recently, I recently took an asynchronous course, 
And in that course, I was provided with a lot of options in terms of assignments. I was provided with options in terms of readings or videos that I wanted to look at. And I found it really beneficial uh, from a learner point of view, but I know that from a, from a teacher point of view, from an instructor point of view, that was a lot of extra work um, that had to be put in. Uh, Nick, I know that you uh, have some experience teaching asynchronously, and uh, I remember you were talking about a, a class that you taught where you both taught asynchronously and you were able to foster a really strong community with your learners. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. So just to give you a, a, a little idea of what that was, it was a course for teachers that actually don't know how to teach. Uh, in some countries, they actually get a degree, but they don't have the experience of teaching. And that was the idea of the course, is to share my own experience with the students so they can have a fresh perspective in how they should be teaching. And the way I created was fairly simple because that's what was required of me. It was just a video trying to be as interactive as I could. And we would have uh, live sessions, as they called, where the students could interact with me every two weeks. And that was the most important piece that students actually liked it. As you might have been imagining right now, on an asynchronous environment, things get a little too distant. You go, you watch your video, but that's it. There's a lot of good benefits. You can speed up the, the like the recording, sorry, the, the play speed, right, of the video. So you can keep listening to it in a faster pace if you want. Just because there is not enough interaction between teacher and student, teachers try to compensate that with a lot of material. That's what brings a lot of work, right? So students can learn from different sources, not only from the teacher's voice. But this live session that we had, it's something that I strongly encourage everyone to do it, is what made a difference. The interaction piece that is missing, it's fairly compensated if you meet your students or your teacher every here and there. Because you might have questions as a student. And as a teacher, you would actually be benefiting from this one-on-one or even one-to-all students uh, time. So you can have a feel what are their needs, what they didn't understand, and even to engage in some of the social aspects of the interaction that we mentioned in our previous episode. I think another benefit that I think sometimes gets overlooked about asynchronous learning is the fact that different learners, um, as they struggle or as they have different challenges, so um, say in a school setting, if you struggle a lot with math, but English comes easy to you, having an asynchronous model allows you to work ahead on your English and take more time learning math as is required. In a synchronous setting, you're kind of tied to more or less an average or a medium of what the class is doing. So if the class is moving too slow for you in one subject, you're going to feel that frustration. But if the class is moving too fast for you in another subject, then you're going to um, you're also going to feel that frustration. Um, my my partner right now is, is doing some asynchronous learning, and she's really enjoying it because, um, for example, this week, uh, the, the weather's been cold. So she's been able to work ahead. But as the weather gets warmer, she's able to go and go for walks with friends, go for walks with family. And that flexibility really, really works for her. And just to add one extra point to that, Andres, it's so convenient that with all the smartphones that we have and the data plans that are getting bigger and bigger, 
you can actually go for a walk and learn at the same time if you listen to an audio or like a recording from your teacher or even this podcast. Yeah. Now, I want to finish the asynchronous piece with one huge hint for all the teachers out there and even students if they want to learn a little bit more. There is a lot of research being done on what is the best way to do an asynchronous lecture. And it's funny how this, the talking head, as we uh, call it, it's the most engaging way. There's a lot of methodologies out there where you see just teachers in a podium or teachers in a big screen, and those do not create as much engagement as the talking face being the center of your video. And my assumption is that students can actually see the facial expressions and they can relate our brains really say like, okay, there is something happening there, right? And they can focus more. Another piece that's very important, Andres, is the amount of preparation in terms of a, a movie, kind of a Hollywoodian creation. Uh, research has been saying that, no, it doesn't matter how much money you put in making videos to make them like a movie that does not create uh, a significant engagement with the students if compared to the talking head. And finally, one of the most important things that we already touched based on is the amount of resources that teachers can make available. That creates a lot of engagement as well. So if you as a teacher are trying to make a good asynchronous lesson, think about the talking head, think about the resources so you can give different perspectives on the material for your students, and don't worry about making things extremely perfect. To be honest, we all know in this internet world, the more humane things seem, the more connected we get. And that's absolutely right. That connection piece is key, whether you're doing synchronous or asynchronous. Uh, do we want to talk a little bit now about the, the synchronous, the counterpart to asynchronous learning? Yes, sir. Um, Let's get started. So when we do, when we talk about synchronous learning, it's like I mentioned before, that uh, metaphor of being in a classroom, the teacher's there, you're there, and you're all kind of moving forward at the same time. Pace. There's uh, there's some benefits to synchronous learning as well, which is that you're it's easier to create a connection between uh, students, between learners, between instructors, teachers, and um, it, it allows kind of a whole class to have a shared experience as they go along. Uh, the downside is, as you mentioned, uh, that flexibility piece isn't there. Uh, when it comes down to teaching synchronously online, one thing that I notice is if you're just sitting there and you're talking for an hour, you're going to lose your learners. Um, a kind of rule of thumb that I like to follow is that anyone can really only focus on something for about 20 minutes. So perhaps you do your learning lecture time for 20 minutes and then you set them off on a task and they can come back and ask questions. But if you're, if you're there and you're talking for an hour, you're going to lose them. That's my experience. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, it's absolutely right. Even if you go to a regular classroom environment, students do get a little, you know, absent-minded and then they go <laughs> elsewhere, which is normal, right? Uh, right. But we have uh, in-person or several in-person techniques that you can use just to bring attention back to you, like changing the tone of your voice or doing a lot of movement or even interacting with the students in different ways. And those can also be used online synchronously. 
one of the things that I use in my uh, lecture that I was talking to you under, and that was asynchronous, but all the students, they really enjoyed it, is that I would fluctuate my voice tone so hard that they would be aware when to pay attention or not. And you can do that as a teacher synchronously as well, because students will, of course, they're home, they have a lot of distractors, and they will just want to get out of there. But if you create cues to make sure that the students at least understand that this is important and you kind of teach them indirectly that this is the way that we should be doing things, you're going to be getting a lot of uh, more engaging in interactivity. Now, Andres once taught me about Slido. You want to talk a little bit about it, Andres? Uh, sl Slide.io? Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So Slide.io is a really good way to add interactivity to your presentation. It's one of many slides app that you can get with your uh, Google Drive account. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to do stuff like live polling. If you want to do uh, a, a word cloud based on what everyone types in, if you want to just do uh, an entry slip, so just a, a quick check-in, it allows it to be integrated right inside your presentation so that your learners can follow along and they can feel like they're they're taking part in the conversation. Uh, this is one of many things that are out there. So uh, another one that I that I found that's really good is a Kahoot, which is a uh, kind of like a quiz-based uh, program website that allows you to create your own quizzes. Uh, they've got scores and stuff like that. So there's lots of different ways that you can bring that interaction. It doesn't necessarily, though, have to be fancy and tech heavy. During some online teaching that I did, I had to teach a Fazette class online. The way to bring it, like there's ways to bring in uh, interactivity. And one of the things that I did was we played a song and then I just uh, called out the kids' names and they had to leave, but they had to come up with the dances that the rest of the, the class was going to do. Uh, it had, you know, it, it required no tech. I just shared my screen, shared the video, and and then the kids got engaged and felt like they were interacting and somehow uh, working together. The other thing that I really wanted to mention is using virtual metaphors for um, for classroom settings. So that might be a Google Slides presentation that you create that has an out. Uh, kind of like a, a picture of your classroom. You've got a, a chalkboard up there. You have a, you have a library with, um, with books that is your resources. Um, and if you want to go beyond that, uh, Minecraft Education Edition has lots of worlds that you can interact together and, and you can really engage and uh, kind of see each other in a virtual environment. Uh, I think that's really powerful. Yep. Those things that we're mentioning to all of you, they are tools. And I, I really want to highlight that, that they should not be the center of the class. You as a teacher still should be the center and you are the knowledge holder and you are the one who's going to be working that knowledge so it can get into the students' minds. So it's something that I always get very concerned when you start teaching technology to teachers out there, that they get so dazzled that they actually forget about the main piece of education that is knowledge and the interaction. So it doesn't matter if you use Minecraft, if you use virtual reality, if you use any kind of a piece, synchronous or asynchronously, the point is, the quality, the content, and the way you engage with your audience still play a major role. 
You're, you're absolutely right, Nick. Um, do you have any final thoughts here to wrap up our conversation? Oh, yeah. So just to kind of give my big perspective on the synchronous way, everything that we learn in our regular day-to-day practice in person applies to the synchronous way. Just because you're not in the same room, it doesn't mean that the same techniques will work. Of course, there's going to be a little bit of a, a gap, right? But changing voice tone, good you know, body language, trying to interact with the students as much as you can, even as Andres mentioned, bre- breaking all the, the content, all the knowledge into chewable bits and then bringing activity so students can get engaged. Or using tools like breakout rooms, like Minecraft, to give them a little bit of a, a go, a little bit of a energy, and the feeling that they are getting there, that they're doing something, it would greatly enhance the experience. Not only yours, but students as well. I think you you got it completely right there, Nick. And the only thing that I'll add is just echoing what you said, that, that it's relationship first. Uh, as an educator, if you if you haven't built a strong relationship, whether you're in an asynchronous setting or a synchronous setting, you're not going to be successful. So that's definitely the, the biggest, strongest piece, even before you start thinking about, well, what's the best medium, what's the best technology for me to use to uh, deliver this content? Exactly. Well, I think that's a wrap then, Andres. That's a wrap on episode two. That's right. Uh, we'll be back, I guess, in another two weeks. Exactly. Code of Talks. All right, guys. That is Nick Zetuni, over and out. Thank you very much for watching or listening. Bye, everyone. Thank you.